Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. My fantasy football teams are two and one, but I am dead inside. Welcome into Finsider Radio. And before we get into the unraveling, the dismantling, the disappointing loss the Miami Dolphins had on Sunday, let me welcome in my co-host here, Joshua Houts. Josh, ignore Sunday. How are you doing today? No one can ignore Sunday. You said it best <laughs> when we came on here. You feel dead inside. That, that's how I feel today, Jake. How are you doing? You know, if I'm not thinking about the Dolphins, I'm doing pretty good. Otherwise, though, uh, we ha- we have quite a lot to talk about. Obviously, I wish we could be um, going celebrating into this in a, a victory, more positive right <laughs> yeah. way, but but we don't really have that. So, Josh, let, let's start with the Spark Notes here before we dive into some of the themes of Miami's uh, 31 to 28 loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. And Josh, it started out great. I absolutely enjoyed the first quarter. The Dolphins jumped out to an early 14 to nothing advantage, but a horrible read resulting in a safety uncorked Miami's lead as Las Vegas scored 25 unanswered points. The Dolphins did just enough to hold on and lose the game as time expired on a Daniel Carson 22-yard field goal attempt. Josh, when I finish that sentence, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you? Pain. <laughs> Pain and a roller coaster ride because, I mean, that's really how it was, right? I mean, they jumped out to the early lead. 14 points on that Atlanta Roberts walk-in touchdown, 82-yarder. And you felt awesome from there. And then they got the ball back right away. Malcolm Brown seemed to find a, a nice hole in that offensive line, who, you know, early on at least, you know, they kind of looked good running the football. Right. Jumped out to that 14-point lead. And then I just thought, you know, we looked at the Atlanta Falcons. I remember that Super Bowl 28-3. to I just know how the Dolphins are. Deep down inside, I knew this game was far from over. And, you know, I, at that point, after that safety, man, that's when everything turned to crap. Yeah, Josh, so – but let's start there. Let's go right in at the safety. So the Dolphins, I believe they forced a, oh, no, it started even before this. So momentum was still in the Dolphins' favor when they were leading 14-0. You mentioned Malcolm Brown, 24-yard touchdown run. Uh, Landon Roberts was given a ball, and I've never seen someone walk an 82-yard touchdown, but that's what we had there. And then the Dolphins forced a three and out because Derek Carr, he had a horrible intentional grounding play. You know, they punted on fourth and 20. And then you have to really get into the Joker gif. Here we go. This is when everything starts to happen. Josh, we spoke about it in our pregame show about how the Raiders, they provide pressure without blitzing. So when they're not blitzing, that means a lot of the checkdowns are covered. A lot of the, you know, safe outlets that you had aren't there because the safe outlet is you sit standing in the pocket, right? So the Dolphins get the ball. 
at their own one yard line. And it seems like if there's a stat for which team had the ball at the one yard line the most in the last 10 years, the Dolphins have to be top three at this point. I, I don't know how they're not. And then Brissett in the, <laughs> he hikes the ball or he skips the ball snap to him. Uh, he want, he's not moving. Jalen Waddles out to his left. He's not moving. Brissett launches it right over his head. Waddle has to go up and catch it. He should have just let it go flying into the side of the end zone, if we're being completely honest. Catches it. Casey Hayward gets probably the easiest tackle of his life for a safety. Josh, I think, you know, at the time, I couldn't really think of any way to really um, justify this play. But to me, I think it really just sounds like someone like uh, Brissett, he might have saw a lot of pressure coming. He thought he'd have to get the ball out quick. He didn't want to take the sack for that safety. So what he did, he jumped it out to Waddle. And what we saw... There wasn't anyone blocking. It does not look like this was a designed screen because there weren't, you know, the other wide receivers jumping in front to block. I think maybe one or two were, but it looked like it was a Miami Dolphins play that was made for Tua where you look one way. Okay. I don't have something. I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. Oh, there's still no pressure on me. All right. I got to look this way instead. And that just kind of seemed like uh, we were trying to drive a Ferrari around a a tight freeway and we just kind of drove off the cliff. Jake, that play made no sense, but real quick, some positive light the Dolphins now 25 straight games with a takeaway so yay Dolphins but man that play just felt so bad doomed from the start you're right man I don't know that this was even a design screen didn't look like Waddle you know ever even considered that ball coming his way I mean he was just standing there looked dumbfounded to someone who's not running like why why would anyone throw to someone who's not running I see I saw the Steelers doing that all day with Najee Harris obviously Harris had 10 catches but a lot of them he's just standing there where there's a uh, you know a defender five yards upfield I mean the ball doesn't get there that fast where that defender oh I I gotta readjust and and get ready for the receiver to take an angle no you can beeline right at these guys yeah and I I mean I've never seen anything like it any other year the Dolphins you know with their back against the wall first down you're gonna run that ball right up the middle. I mean, you bring Jacoby Brissett in in games when he's not even starting to run the ball up the middle, get some space there, and then try to get cute. But um, I don't know that this was ever designed, you know, to go to Waddle. It looked like a double smoke screen, but this tight end was, you know, running clean down the middle of the field. I don't know if that was Hollins or Shaheen, but I mean, he was open, so maybe that's where Brissett should have went. But uh, Jacoby Brissett basically came out and said that was a terrible call. He took responsibility for it and said it wasn't a good play. It was a dumb decision on my part. I take full responsibility for it. It's a great learning experience in that situation. That was a tough one. When you look back on the plays that could have alleviated this feeling today, that's when we want back. So Brissett admits it was his mistake. I think pro football reference even said this play, you know, we have nothing in our system ever with a completed pass, no fumble that resulted in a safety. So good job, Dolphins. Way to break history. But from that point on, Jake, you know, it was all downhill or so it seemed. Yeah. And if you look at the box score, you could say that Brissett was sacked just twice for 18 yards. Uh, The Dolphins... (laughs) Breaking news are getting the ball out incredibly fast to kind of avoid some of those issues on the offensive line. But even then, Josh, I think Austin Jackson had two stupid penalties. I think Robert Hunt even had one. And if we look at the Dolphins in general, especially over the last four years, I mean, they're averaging 3.3 sacks allowed per game right now. That's 28th in the league. Josh, that is more than that's roughly a sack and a half more than this unit was allowing last year. And to me, that's probably one of the biggest concerns is all because it's third year of Brian Flores. It's you know, second year with the, you know, the group of guys, he got a bunch of draft. He used a bunch of draft picks on and you're supposed to see growth. You're supposed to see development and you're not supposed to see your quarterback get sacked home, what, play two games and they get sacked three extra times. I mean, that sounds crazy compared to that improvement you're expecting to see. 
I know I'll butcher his name, but you know, everyone at uh, Penny Sewell here, you know what the Dolphins would have done? They probably would have started him at center, Jake. I mean, you have Liam Eikenberger, looks solid at times, but he's starting on the right side. I mean, I, I really don't know what they're doing here, but you know, it's definitely concerning when you look at the offensive side of the football, you know, as a whole, we don't have to talk on it in depth, but I mean, what Brian Flores has done over three years is he's completely, uh, I don't want to say ignore the offensive side, but he, you know, he thought he could promote from within. He thought he could bring in Chan from time. He thought he could do these different things and it's not working this offensive line. I mean, early on, I thought, again, I thought they looked a little bit better. I saw Austin Jackson had a pancake, you know, um, but it seemed like it was the same old, same old. I have PFF's grades here. Jake, Robert Hunt was the highest graded uh, Miami Dolphins offensive line with a 65.8. Dieter was a 62.5. And then it was a huge drop off. Austin Jackson, 46.1. Jesse Davis, 42.8. And Liam Eikenberg, 30.5. Um, Jake, I don't know if there's anything the Dolphins can do right now to solve this thing. You know, we, you mentioned last week, maybe Austin Jackson at guard. Isaiah Wilson, you know, we saw the statement he made. He wants to come back to football. I see DJ Fluker posting g anime gifs saying that he's kind of just waiting for his moment. So um, I don't know, Jake, could the Dolphins bring in one of those guys? What do you think the plan is moving forward? Because, I mean, ultimately, this offense isn't going to get better until that offensive line does. Yeah, Josh, and it's really in a situation where you wonder how soon people are going to start to panic. We're going to be releasing another show either tonight or tomorrow where we're going to kind of talk about... We're already about, panicking. Uh, sure, yeah. But we're, we're going to release a show tomorrow or, or sometime soon outside of our Monday, Wednesday, Friday, talking about the state of the franchise without Tua. And it, I really want to get into uh, how much of a hot seat is Chris Greer on. You know, we see the Carolina Panthers, they lose a starting cornerback yesterday and Another team, you know, they, they make a deal with another team to bring in a cornerback where you could have maybe saved yourself from the Noah Igbenogany mistake right now as this team is really squandering to try to get some sort of lineman help or something. But it seems like the team is just staying pat right now, and that kind of is the concern. But, Josh, getting back to Sunday's game, that safety really uncorked everything. Like I said at the top, it was the start of 25 unanswered points. Uh, Las Vegas walked down, got a field goal on the next drive. The Dolphins, of course, went and punt. And then followed up with a 10 play 95 yard touchdown drive. There was two unnecessary roughness penalties, one on each of the safeties, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones. I believe it's the second week in a row that Brandon Jones has gotten a penalty like this. Josh, overall, the Dolphins had eight penalties for 68 yards. I mean, the Raiders had eight for 104. So we're not even going to have a talk about the rest. If you want to have a talk about the rest, we can try. Uh, but I don't think that would really solve any of the issues the Dolphins have. Other, other than the scenario of maybe paying off the refs so they stop calling holding on our guys so we can maybe have an offensive line that maybe sneaks off is okay. Yeah, I know a lot of fans are, you know, throwing out that Will Fuller image of him being draped like a cape. I made the joke that it was Batman, you know, he was wearing his cape. But uh, like you said, both teams suffer from poor officiating here. And I think, you know, that's honestly one of the biggest concerns, I guess, so far early on in this season is just how much the Dolphins have, you know, become an undisciplined team. I don't know if that TNT wall is not working or what, but Jake, you have written down here, Miami's penalties per game in 2019, 5.6. That was sixth best in the league in 2020. Average 4.3, and that was third best. And then so far early on this season, they are having seven, they're averaging 7.3 penalties a game. That is 24th best. So, um, again, I think that a lot of the concern, at least from the Miami Dolphins, obviously, Jake, to me, that is, you know, where you can sit here and try to pinpoint where the Dolphins' mistakes are centered on. Because when you're stopping big drives from the Raiders and you're then getting those costly, unnecessary roughness penalties, you know, that is why this game was the way it was. So, I don't know, man. Officiating all throughout the league, though, has been rough. And I don't know if you saw uh, David Cantor tweeted about how um, a lot of people are. DMing him about these issues and the, the league's in shambles right now, man. This, let's, let's DM a agent. 
and talk about the rest. Jess, this has been it's something like, that's <laughs> happened in the NFL for years. The fact uh, that yeah. we think that we can sit here on a Monday and, and complain about a Will Fuller play, Josh, excuses get you in the hunt. Making catches puts you in the playoffs, all right? Like, we don't sit here and talk about all the penalties the Dolphins have had over the years and all the missed penalties. All we know is this team has sucked, right? So we really have to kind of put that into perspective when we're wondering about one Will Fuller play. Where was Will Fuller when we needed him to make a play? He caught three of six targets. I mean, Devontae Parker, that was another one people were complaining about a penalty. It popped right off his shoulder. I mean, yes, we can say that confidently, yes, it should have been pass interference, but... I see top tier receivers. I see decent wide receivers making plays when there's a pass interference. I mean, I didn't see the Dolphins. I mean, we had Mike Kosicki on that fantastic fourth and 22. I mean, he was the only one out there, you know, screaming, hey, I'm wide open. I'm wide open. And all of a sudden he catches, you know, 10 balls. But Josh, I mean, we can't expect the refs do not play for the Miami Dolphins. We can't expect them to throw the flag just as much as we can expect Jakeem Grant to catch pass. Oof. (laughs) <laughs> that that was a low blow, man. But you're right. I mean, we can't sit here and, and beg these refs for anything. And I think at this point, Dolphin fans are just begging to be in the hunt, Jake. So maybe, maybe that's what it all stems back for. But getting back on track, man, um, you know, you have all these critical that Dolphins give that huge 10 play 95 yard drive. Can we focus on Atlanta Roberts and how well he's looked? I mean, he was making right. some awesome plays there in third and short. Zach Sealer, I want to talk about him a little bit later, but I mean, he was all over the page. But Atlanta Roberts, I mean, I thought this was just another guy almost. I hate to say that, but, you know, I didn't really... I didn't really respect his game enough. And, you know, when they brought in Bernard McKinney, I was super stoked. Atlanta Roberts is every bit as good. I mean, he's a missile out mm-hmm. there. So um, tip of a hat to him because, I mean, he was everywhere. And, again, I think he was tackling dudes tackling dudes into dudes, and that's what you love to see out of your linebacker. <laughs> I, need a, I need to put that on a shirt, Josh. I really do. And here, let, let's do this. We're going to start getting into the positives because, Josh, as much as there is these concerning trends here in terms of penalties, uh, in terms of how this offense is operating – it's against the norm of what the Dolphins have done. Like you got to think too. Like they're not used. They're not a team that's used to having seven penalties a game. We can't really sit here and think that's going to continue throughout the season. Now, if we're still saying this in week seven and eight, then there are going to be legitimate concerns about this team. But after week three, I think the reason I shared that penalty stat was to say, hey, the reason the Dolphins are losing this game, these games. Yes, there are some, you know, poor calls, play calling, but I mean, they're, they're hurting themselves here. I mean, and then too, you think about the plays that can go either way, whether it's a, a, you know, ref throwing a flag that he should or shouldn't have, you know, whatever that debate is. But then Josh, you mentioned Landon Roberts, he forced a fumble and the Raiders fumbled three times in total yesterday, but recovered all three. So, I mean, there are so many different twists and turns in a game where I think the Dolphins could have grabbed that momentum back and it just simply didn't happen. I mean, Josh, especially in that second half, uh, Peyton Barber, he was absolutely killing them. He finished with 111 yards and it kind of goes back to what we were saying uh, before the in the pregame show is that I was a little scared about the Josh Jacobs type. I thought just pounding up the middle was certainly going to hurt this team. And I think we're really, really starting to notice how much uh, Raekwon Davis needs to that middle of the uh, defense there, especially in the trenches. Yeah, Jake, I mean, I was trying to sit here and figure out, you know, what the Dolphins could do to improve that run defense. And yeah. honestly, I mean, Butler was playing well, Sealer was playing well again, but Raekwon Davis has to be that missing piece. I mean, we all expected him to have a huge year this season. Unfortunately, he was hurt, but, you know, maybe he comes back sooner or later. So maybe he's that missing piece because, again, I immediately wanted to point to the McKinney's and maybe some of those other guys. You know, we talked about Jamie Collins. I wanted to say, okay, maybe Jamie Collins could have fixed this run defense. I don't think it could have, Jake. So we need Raekwon Davis back. 
but tip your hat to Butler because, I mean, he was taking on three blocks. I mean, Zach Sealer was everywhere Absolutely. making plays, and Christian Wilkins too. So uh, I really liked what I saw from them. But, I mean, they gave up 140 yards on the ground, I think, to, you know, Peyton Barber and Kenyon Drake. And that's, again, when you're giving up 383 yards, I think it was through the air, plus those 140 yards on the ground. Yes, it was five quarters, but, um, you know, that's – is a huge concern, but how much of that is, you know, because this offensive line can't sustain drives. I mean, I'm talking in circles now, but the two things have to go hand in hand. So after uh, Roberts forced the fumble, the Raiders recovered it. Of course, they score on the spider two wide banana to the fullback on the following play. And despite all this spiraling out of control, Josh, I believe the score at the time is 14 to 11. Uh, the Dolphins get into position to hit a field goal in the half and go into the half happy. You still have the lead and you get the ball on the other side of the half. I think that's been Brian Flores' dream every year in Miami is you end the half with points and you start the second half with points. That is momentum 101. But luckily for us being Dolphin fans, we all knew it was coming that Jason Sanders would miss that 48 yarder. So we go into the half just kind of this is where the knife's really starting to dig in. It's not all the way. So you're still alive and you feel the pain. Uh, but it's just slowly going to start to get deeper and deeper from here, Josh, because the Dolphins decided to play football in that fourth quarter after being shut out in the third. So what did you really say to that offense? And what did you say to Brissett that was different in that fourth? Because it did seem like he was more comfortable. He had more time. And most importantly, he was taking deeper shots down the field. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jake, I think that's what it really came down to is, you know, they've almost, I don't want to say they were being conservative, but let's be honest, they were being very conservative. And that's kind of been the offense's whole MO this season. So, to me, once they saw their back was against the wall, they started to open things up and let Jacoby Brissett use that big arm. Because, I mean, yes, you mentioned molasses. I mean, is that not the perfect way to describe just how he looks going through his reads and, you know, how that ball seems to come out? But when it does, you know, he's got a pretty good arm. So I think what they saw was, you know, we need to get down there. We need to score. They spread the, the Raiders out and they let Will Fuller, you know, try to make those deep plays. They took chances at Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. I mean, you mentioned earlier, he was involved all throughout this game. But Jake, I mean, it was just they were opening this offense up and allowing Jacoby Brissett, I guess, to take more chances. And early in the game, it really didn't seem like they were letting him do that at all. And Josh, it goes back to, I mean, this is the most analytical thing I can ever say, but scared money isn't going to make you money, especially in Las Vegas. Like that should be the one place, you know, that scared money you're not going to make money, right? So the Dolphins, then they get into the red zone, they get down inside the five, and they decide to go with the Wildcat on back-to-back plays. And the running game was actually pretty decent for most of the day, uh, but then when you kind of start twisting or like picking apart Malcolm Brown's numbers, you realize that outside of his touchdown run, of course, 
fantastic. I'm so happy he scored a 24 yard touchdown, but outside of that, he had seven or six carries for seven yards. Uh, the defense knew exactly what the dolphins were going to try to do there. And the most mind boggling part of this entire game to me, Josh is not only did they do the wildcat on two straight plays, but Brissett, he scrambles in, he gets into the end zone. He walks in like the molasses roots he has. And then they do a play where Wolf Fuller is all alone in the end zone, like wide open. I don't understand how you can have the play call that is so well put together that you have Wolf Fuller all alone for the easy catch. But before that, let, let me run the wildcat a couple of times. That's so Dolphins. I mean, is that not just the only way to explain Ooh. it? I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, I don't think they ran any Wildcat up until that point in this game. I mean, it would make sense yeah. if you were trying to to get it established or to give Malcolm Brown a running start, but it it did nothing. So those plays were so frustrating. And then, like you said, um, Jacoby Brissett made that so much harder with that fourth and two run. And then, the I, I mean, we'll give them credit. That was a pretty nice well-designed, you know, two-point conversion play, nice throw catch by Fuller, but you're, you're right. Why not do that right away? Why not, you know, take a chance and, and run a play action on first and goal? You come out in Wildcat, you're basically telling the defense, we're running it right up the middle and you're giving them a head start. Yeah. makes no sense. But um, again, that's the Dolphins. And Josh, this is, I think, an, uh, something that is really starting to concern me because the offensive coordinator position has been, you know, under the microscope since Brian Flores has arrived. It's always been an issue. And you see what Jamar Chase is doing for the Bengals. And then what's developing in Miami is a man named Jarvis Waddle. This guy caught 12 of 13 targets for 58 yards. Josh, that's a 4.5 average. And from Stathead, Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins just produced the lowest receiving yards total for any non-running back with 12 or more catches in a single NFL game since stats started being kept in 1950. On top of that, Josh, they kept throwing to him on third down, and he it was before the line or the before the line to gain. So I mean, it is literally the Adam Gase offense. It is the Joe Philbin offense. It is through and through Miami Dolphins culture. I'm just glad you didn't call him Jalen Landry. I mean, that would have worked too, right? But man, I, I have no idea what's going on right now with the Dolphins and their usage of. Waddle. I mean, I've come on here and I said, you know, I was very happy with the way they fabricate, you know, some of those screens and things like that, but that should not be his entire game. That should not be, he should not be put in a cage. And that's basically what you're doing. I mean, this is a guy that you brought him in to play the slot, to take the top off defenses and to be a legit deep threat while doing those other things. They're basically confining him saying, you know, run these two, three, four yard routes. And again, like you said, he's running them short of the sticks in times when he shouldn't, or, you know, they're designed that way. So I have no idea, but to not let him go deep, to not give him Will Fuller and even DVP to an extent more opportunities early in that game. I mean, I, I think that forces a defense to play a little bit hesit- more hesitant and kind of respect that deep ball. I want to see more of that going forward. But Jake, uh, again, this is concerning when you're sixth overall pick, a guy that you kind of drafted to transform this offense. You know, this was your plan for him. Again, another Jar- Jarvis Landry. I don't know about you, Jake, but I took a lot of uh, you know shots to the ch- that would have came out really well. I took a lot of jabs for my love for Jarvis Landry over the years. That's for sure. Yeah, Josh, and two with the offense and the deep balls. I mean, the first couple deep balls they tried, they, they went down as deep balls, but it seemed like Brissett would hike the snap the ball. I don't know why I keep thinking that Brissett's our center, but I, I'm probably just going to keep riding with that. But, I mean, he hiked the ball, 
And then he just instantly lob it and then hope Devonte Parker will go up and catch it. I think that happened twice. And what I didn't see is where I thought, you know, if you watch Will Fuller highlights, if you watch Jalen Waddle highlights, it isn't when, you know, they're bracketed between a sideline and, and a DB. It's when they're allowed to streak along the center of the field, when it's a cover two situation where they can kind of run under a ball and they can use the entire field to their advantage because the way that, I mean, even their deep balls just kind of seem like Will Fuller's, you know, completely covered. And, and we know that's not the type of guy he is. So it just seems like there are some different situations where uh, the opportunities might be there, but the Dolphins might aren't just taking advantage of them. I've saw that a couple of times with Gasecki, like you mentioned. Uh, again, Will Fuller, three of six targets, Parker, four of seven. We got to give Parker some credit. He had a huge fourth down catch. Uh, and he continues to be that rock, especially early in games when no one else can really hold on to the ball. And then Josh. Running back remains an issue in the passing game for the Dolphins. Miles Gaskin caught three of six targets for nine yards. Uh, pick, pick your poison with those. Let me know your thoughts. Man, there's a lot to go off there. I mean, the biggest thing is the block, the pass protection. I mean, we looked at it last week and we all criticized the offensive line, but a lot of that was Miles Gaskin missing a block. Malcolm Brown yeah. mixing, missing a block. You know, we see today, I, I don't know if you saw, but there's a, a video of Austin Jackson letting a guy just go right after sit. Doesn't even notice him there, but at the same time, Miles Gaskin should at least put a chip block on the man. So you don't know who's at fault here, but I, I definitely want to see those backs do better. And uh, again, just open things up for this passing game because you have Parker here four or seven, four or three or six. I mean, Waddle at 12 or 13. And we know what Kasicki did, but at the end of the day, they're not using those seam routes. They're not letting them take chances downfield. So uh, I think you have it here best, man. They play scared and it's been that entire way this, this season. And I mean, I guess maybe that's how the, the Dolphins have been under Brian Flores, but I, I guess I'm more accustomed to thinking that he's this badass that, you know, does things differently and challenges plays he shouldn't and takes chances. And so far, that is not what we've seen from the Dolphins. And with that too, like it, it just hasn't been the identity. I don't think nothing really disappointed me more than the fact that Malcolm Brown in that third quarter, he had that horrible chop block in the open field. It was a 15 yard penalty. And then they kept him in the game. You know how the, the last two years, I mean, under Brian Flores, I mean, he'd be chewing the guy apart. He'd be benched for the next, you know, two, three drives, if not the rest of the game, but he's right back out there. And, and the team just looked kind of empty. He was just kind of sitting there with his arms folded and a pouty face on all game. It just kind of seemed like that fire that the Brian Flores teams had in the past or even in the first quarter it just wasn't there that spark whatever it may be just isn't as strong as it was for that uh, I don't know that Tua's kitchen I don't know how to make this pun come back we'll go with that you, you tried like hell to make it come back man but you're right I mean I'm glad you ma made a note of that because I mean we always used to give Adam Gase crap for sitting on the sidelines by himself and writing in his notebook yep. but you just see Brian That's Flores going up looking like he had like the smelled the worst fart and he's just lingering in it back and forth on the sideline <laughs> with this sour puss face so I mean I, I again I don't know what goes into a team I'm not Brian Flores I'll never will be but you want to see this offense at least kick it up a notch and you want to see this defense play more like their their head coach and, and be disciplined like we've seen in the past um Jay I do want to ask you, do you think at any point the Dolphins, um, you know, you mentioned how Malcolm Brown missed the block. He would normally be yanked from that game. I mean, if Tua was available or, you know, Reed Sinnett was up to par, I think maybe Brian Flores would have made a move there at quarterback. But my question to you is this, if George Godsey is the one calling these plays and the offense continues to sputter, at what point, if you're Brian Flores, do you pull those plays and maybe give Eric Studsville a chance to spark this offense? Josh, I, I really don't know. And I, I don't really think they're going to do that. I just think the way this team prepares, that's something they start at the beginning of training camp. I, obviously, every team does that. Just the Dolphin situation is so unique. I don't think it's as simple as, you know, uh, taking the playbook out of someone's hand and, and just sliding it into someone else's. It could be. It really could be. But I mean, 
Uh, from from what I saw, I think this is going to be something where I think we have a couple more weeks before the finger pointing starts. But again, I think that is a great conversation we're going to have on our uh, show talking about the team without Tua, just kind of where that spiral can go, especially when you have so many different levels of power, whether it's on the offense or the team in general, where anyone can kind of pull one of those Jenga pieces out at any minute and, and make the whole thing really crumble on itself. You're right, Jake, and we will definitely focus on that more in the coming week because there's so much to talk about. Real quick before we get off, I want to throw this out there. Um, Zach Steeler was the Dolphins' highest-grade defensive player with a 90.3. Jacoby Jacoby Brissett was their highest-graded offensive player with a 77.7. And I want to throw this out there because Wingfield just dropped a pretty nice stat. And here it is, Jalen Waddles, 4.4 yards of average separation per route, runs eighth best in the NFL per next gen stats. So you know how much we like to talk about separation, Jake, I guess maybe there is some good that came out of the dolphins performance, but at the end of the day, I mean, after a roller coaster loss like that, um, I, f- I feel you, man, I'm dead inside. I wonder if that separation counts as the, the five yards he was away from Casey Hayward. Uh, when he caught them off. <laughs> I bet it does. I bet it does. Cause that, that'd be such the scammiest way to like spin a good stats. Like, Hey, our receivers have all the separation. We're just throwing it to them 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Come get us. Man, I, someone's got I mean, someone's got to reply to that with that. I mean, that's you made a good point. It all it's all these bubble screens. I mean, when the DBs are playing eight yards off because they expect a deep route and they're just throwing bubble screens to to Jarvis, uh Jarvis Waddle. So, someone willing to yeah, and just like Jarvis, he's someone so willing to use his body to go up and fight for balls that it just seems like it's not you. I mean, at least Jarvis, he was a lot. I wouldn't say, I don't want to say more physical, but I mean, he was just built a little differently that he was a little stronger and slower where Waddle, you got to give him that space as much as make him let him break one tackle. I don't know. It, it, it was a frustrating week, Josh. I'm happy we got to sit here and talk about it a little bit. Um, you did an incredible job all day. You tweet out almost every single play we see out there. And if you're not following Josh, I mean, I'm sure you are at H O U T Z. I'm going to kind of just say some snarky things on game days when the dolphins stink. I can be found at J metal 94. Like I said, Josh, we're going to do four shows this week. The dolphins are in a pretty much a majorly concerning spot. I think that's maybe the safe, not panicky way to say it, but, but there are some huge gray clouds over this team. Uh, Obviously, next week we have the Colts at home. Yes, I said we, the Dolphins have the Colts at home. And we'll start to see really through a quarter of the season what this identity is turning into. Yeah, and we love to look at our things through our aqua and uh, orange shaded glasses. But at the end of the day, Jake, you know, the Dolphins are one and two. So, guys, anything could happen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe, guys. Leave us a five-star rating. If any news breaks this week, and we mean any news, We will jump on here and bring you an instant reaction to that for the Finside Radio podcast, part of SB Nation's official Miami Dolphins podcast. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. And Josh leaves you with some foreshadowing. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins.